Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The 95th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett. Says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews. Off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys. A couple hours after Carolina earns a 65 257 road win at Virginia Tech. And we all knew how important this game was entering today for Carolina, a chance to get a quad one win on the resume to kind of even out their quad three loss on Thursday or or on Wednesday uh, to Pittsburgh. And Carolina did just that. They utilized a 22 to eight run to close the first half to take a 38-30 lead into the halftime break. They would push their lead as much as 12 in the second half. It got cut to as few as, I believe, five, but Carolina was able to withstand a seven-minute drought without making a made basket in the win, in large part because Caleb Love had one of his best games of the entire season. He scored 21 points, 6 of 12 shooting, handed out seven assists and looked like a point guard that was in control of the game from the word go. Armando Baycott recorded his 20th double-double on the season, scoring all 12 of his points in the second half. He is now just three double-doubles away from tying Bryce Johnson's record for a single season set back in the 2015-16 campaign. But The biggest reason why Carolina won this game was they held Virginia Tech, who entered the game shooting 41% from behind the three-point line as a team, which was best in the ACC, second best in the country, to a season-low 19%. They were just 5 of 26 from behind the arc tonight. And, buddy, a lot of questions about this team entering this game, a lot of doubts entering this game about this team. I picked Virginia Tech to win the game, but Carolina played with the sense of desperation and a sense of urgency that they needed to play with today to get a win on the road in a hostile environment. And 
in, in, a, in an up and down season, this is a this is a podcast where we feel really good about this team and effort they showed on the court today. Yeah, it's the best win of the season. There's there's no way around that. I mean, look, it wasn't the best they played all season, but with all the circumstances that were on the line, and you know, a team in Virginia Tech that had come in, you know, winning their last six games. This was one of those games where I think a lot of people probably expected that things could go sideways pretty quickly on Carolina. And you know, in that first half, there was a point where they were down by six at 22 to 16. And you kind of wondered, is this the area where it starts to kind of get away from Carolina a little bit? Because there was some sloppiness at that point. But this team... You know, we, we've said it multiple times this year that they are one of those teams that just doesn't seem like they are able to take a punch and respond, but they did in this game. And after, you know, Virginia Tech was up by six, that was really where Carolina started to take over the game. Um, they had that stretch there to close out the, the first half where they uh, were making just about everything that they were looking at. So... Yeah. Um, you know, that that was encouraging to see because it felt like it had been a while since Carolina really had one of those stretches. Um, the backcourt shot really well early on in the game. I know it didn't, you know, pan out to be the greatest shooting day, but I think we all kind of knew with the first half um, the way it was and, and kind of the, the fact that Virginia Tech was, you know, playing as well as they were coming in, that it was a possibility that Carolina wouldn't quite have that same uh, shooting performance in the second half. But I thought they did a real good job of then adjusting. Um, it became a little bit more of a grinded out game. And look, Virginia Tech in, in the second half was definitely, I think, better offensively than they were in the first half, but really not by much. I thought Carolina defensively did a pretty solid job. I won't say it was great because there were still some open looks that Virginia Tech had, and it did take an, an off-shooting day from them. But you don't hold the opponent to 19-point shooting, and you don't get any credit handed to you for that. Um, this is the second game this season where Carolina – um, has been able to to find a way to sort of run them off the three-point line. Now, in this game, they attempted more threes than they did in the last one. Um, Carolina held them to just 18 attempts in the first matchup between the two teams. This game, it was 26. But still, you're talking about, as you mentioned, uh, the second-best three-point shooting team in the entire country. Um, and they've got guys – they've got two guys off the bench um, that that's – pretty much their role. That's what they're coming in to do um, in, in Maddox and Padula. And, and Carolina handled both of those guys pretty well. Storm Murphy, once again, um, you know, this game, he, he was 0 for 3 from behind the arc. But again, Carolina was able to run him off the three-point line, which, you know, as Carolina learned, I believe he would say, was he on, he was, he had to be on the team. Uh, yes. at Wofford in, in 1920, um, and he was one of the guys that Carolina struggled against. So they, they did a really good job, I think, of realizing the scenario that they were in and understanding that, you know, you need to come out and play with a sense of desperation. This is one of the toughest games that you're going to play all season long. 
Um, and the environment from the word go there was really, really good. And there were moments where even in when, when things weren't going their way, Virginia Tech put together small runs and the environment, um, you know, sort of b- became pretty solid once again, uh, especially in that second half. But Carolina was able to withstand it and, and, and did a tremendous job. Um, and, and I mean, look, you know, it's it's kind of shocking, but. Look, Carolina trailed in this game for 20 or, or no, Virginia. Uh, they, they trailed in this game for only 11 minutes and 55 seconds. So um, you know, th- th- this was one of those games where you could have let Virginia Tech kind of control the pace of the game. Um, but Carolina sort of dictated most of the action that went on. Uh, and it pays off with a huge win. Let's take a look at the box score. And it's not the prettiest box score you'll see in a win, but Right now, for Carolina, it's not it's not about how you win. It's just, frankly, about winning. And they shot 45% from the field, 22 of 49. Virginia Tech, 38%. They took 15 more shots than Carolina. They were just 24 of 64. I mentioned the three-point disparity. Carolina was 8 of 22 for 36%, led by Caleb Love, who was 3 of 8 from behind the arc. We just mentioned Virginia Tech just 19% from behind the three-point line. That was a season low for them. Carolina made the most of their foul shots. They were 13 of 15 from the charity stripe. That was 87%. Virginia Tech was just four of six from the foul line for 67%. The biggest thing about that is that Virginia Tech was in the bonus with 11 minutes to go in the second half and still just shot six free throws. So after committing a lot of early fouls early in the second half, Carolina did a great job the last 11 minutes clamping down, playing defense without fouling, and not putting them at the foul line with a chance to score with the clock stopped. Carolina did commit 15 turnovers today, but they were just turning to 11 points for the Hokies, so they were able to get by with that. Meanwhile, nine Virginia Tech turnovers. Carolina turned those into 12 points. The Tar Heels out-rebounded Virginia Tech on the glass, 38-31, to including 33-22 to on the defensive glass. Virginia Tech did out-rebound them offensively on the glass, 9-5, to five, but uh, they, were, they only turned those nine offensive rebounds into 10 second-chance points. Carolina just six second-chance points off their five offensive rebounds. Bench points, 15-3 and three in favor of Virginia Tech, but that's not surprising because all of Virginia Tech's reserves played double-digit minutes. Carolina's reserves that they only played seven minutes was the most minutes played by a reserve led by both Kerwin Walton and Puff Johnson points in the paint. Carolina did out did get outscored in the paint, thirty-four to twenty, um, and that's another stat. When you look at the box score, you would probably think that margin you probably get beat, but they made up for it in other ways, including in the fast break department. They had thirteen fast break points compared to just zero for Virginia Tech. Carolina was six blocks compared to just one for the Hokies. Armando Baycott. Um, now has 21 blocks in his last five games, has really transformed into a rim protector during the season so far for Carolina. Uh, Virginia Tech did outsteal Carolina 6-4, to four, but Carolina 13 assists on their 22 made baskets. Virginia Tech 11 assists on their 24 made baskets. And as Anthony said, Carolina led for 26 minutes and 35 seconds. Virginia Tech led for 11 minutes and 55 seconds. And the game was tied for a minute and 12 seconds. Let's move on to our quote of the game. We go to Hubert Davis. And 
This was tweeted out by the Carolina basketball account. Hebert said after the game that everybody that played made an impactful play to put ourselves in a position to win. To win here against Virginia Tech, not many teams can do that, and we should feel very proud about this win. And he's right. This was a hostile environment, as we knew it was going to be entering the game. It was kind of a de facto elimination game for the teams both vying to make the NCAA tournament. Um, for some reason, even though this wasn't their last home game, this was senior day in Blacksburg. So they, with Carolina in the building, trying to make it a more special game for the seniors, add some more environment. And that place was rocking early. And I thought Carolina withstood the, the energy. And once they were able to take control of the game, they controlled the crowd. And even when Virginia Tech made it a five-point game late in the second half, this isn't a team that panicked, and this is a team that a month ago we didn't trust to go on the road and win ball games. but they've won three on the road uh, consecutively at Louisville, at Clemson, and at Virginia Tech. All three places this program has struggled, and they found different ways to win those games, and hopefully this will carry over. They've got two more road trips left this season, both against rivals. they got to go to NC State next week, and at Duke in two weeks. But uh, as Hubert Davis said, they should be very proud of the way they played in today's game. We go to the stat of the game. I think this one was pretty easy. Um, I thought it was three-point shooting because that was the biggest key entering the game, was if Carolina defended the three-point line, they had a good chance to win the game. And they did that to the tune of just 19% for Virginia Tech. But also Carolina had to make some threes, and they got that from Caleb Love today. He was three of eight from behind the line. R.J. Davis made two. Brady Manick made two. And then Dontrez Styles made one early in that first half. So Carolina's three-point offense, better than Virginia Tech's three-point offense. And that's a big reason why they were able to get the road on the win today in Blacksburg. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings. And then when we come back, we'll get into more general thoughts and takeaways from Carolina's 65-57 win at Virginia Tech. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big day payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 older Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details for a list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Voidware prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. 
In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Hey guys, it's Anthony here from the Heel Tough blog. Make sure you head over and check out Josh's recap of the game that we're previewing here after the game on Saturday. We'll have that recap of the Virginia Tech game for you. He will then circle around and preview the game against Louisville for you. Meanwhile, on the football side of things, weekly storylines return this week. It'll be two weeks of big storylines around Tar Heel football that you may have missed. Make sure you head over and check it out, heeltoughblog.com. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you over here on the Four Corners side of things. As for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog side of things as well. The first takeaway that I think we got to talk about was Carolina's defense because I thought it was so much better than it was on Wednesday night, which isn't saying much because they let a Pittsburgh team that averaged 62 points per game score 76 points and a team that shot 32% from behind the arc shoot 58% from behind the arc in that game. But Carolina's energy was just there from the word go, and it carried over into that second half because I don't know how many people would think that if this team went seven minutes without making a field goal, they'd win a game on the road. They could maybe do it at home because of how night and day this team has been in the Smith Center as they've been away from the Smith Center. But the defense won Carolina this game because this game was played at Virginia Tech's pace, which is another factor of the game that I didn't think if if the game was played to the way Virginia Tech wanted to play, they'd get beat. But I thought Carolina just – they were gritty defensively. I thought they were boxing out. I thought they were – Getting, getting bodies on, on, on Hokies, and I thought they closed out on shots for the most part consistently all night long. I thought they fought through screens, and I thought they just made Virginia Tech earn every point they got. And that's how this team is going to win on the road because their offense hasn't traveled as well as it usually does. not usually the teams that win on the road, they win because they can play really good defense. And You look at their three straight wins on the road at Louisville, at Clemson, and now this game against Virginia Tech, I'd say today was the best defensive performance of those three. And that's saying something because this is the best offensive team Carolina has seen of those last three road wins the team has won in the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't the cleanest performance. I mean, there were a lot – there were some open looks that Virginia Tech had. Um, You know, there were back-to-back possessions where uh, I – I think Storm Murphy drove the basket on both occasions and kicked it out to the left corner guys wide open. Um, but, you know, I thought for the most part, you, you definitely saw a much more concerted effort to try to slow down the three-point shooting. And, and again, it makes sense because, look, coming into that game, and, and, and we talked about it when we previewed the game against Pittsburgh. We didn't that that's not wasn't a great offensive team by any stretch of the imagination coming in. And and even, you know, in the last two games prior to that, where they had played better, they weren't scoring the ball all that great. That was, I think, a combination of look, Carolina did not do a good job defensively at all in that game of running them off the three-point line. But at the same time, that was one of those games where Pittsburgh really shot the lights out and had one of their best shooting games of the entire season. Um, but this game, 
I think, again, on that end of the floor, you really saw that Carolina was playing with a level of desperation where they knew their season was on the line. So when they needed to come up with stops, they were able to come up with stops. They were able to create um, some mistakes from Virginia Tech, just enough to, you know, keep themselves ahead in that second half. Because, yeah, there were there was a stretch where, um, you know, Carolina just turned the ball over three straight times. And you were really starting to wonder, is this where Carolina starts to fall apart? They didn't at that point. Um, then there was a stretch where Virginia Tech made a little bit of a run and got the game back to within five, as you mentioned. And um, that was another point where you were kind of saying to yourself, oh, boy, here we go. Is this is this another area where uh, Virginia Tech starts to, you know, put it together and, and find a way to get themselves right on the doorstep? Actually, the closest they got was seven. I thought there was a moment that they got it within five, but it was only seven. So Carolina did a really good job of not letting – it gets to that point because this was one of those games and, and Carolina's had moments like where, where it's felt like this, this season too, where it felt like if you get this game to within five or even, you know, three, if you were Virginia tech, that would be enough for you then to eventually retake the lead. And, and, uh, you know, I, Carolina did a really good job of, you know, making shots when they needed to, and, I mean, those were – for, for a seven-point game to be the most stressful point that this game got, that was the, where it goes into what you were saying earlier. That's where you see it as, yeah, this was probably the best road game that they've played mm-hmm. may, maybe all season, if you consider where who the opponent was. Um, because every other game, there have been moments where it has, you know, gotten – to a tied game or um, even, you know, the, the opponent takes the lead on you, like that, that game against Clemson. So, yeah, th- this was an, a, a pretty complete effort from Carolina on the defensive end, especially once they got the lead. You could see that when they needed to get that stop, they did. And that that's huge for Carolina. And, and, and it's part of why, I think people are so frustrated at times with this team because they show what they did today where maybe they didn't dictate the pace of the game, but ultimately they determined how the game went because of the way that they were able to string together stops. Now it's can you build off of that going forward into this final stretch of the season where, yeah, the opponents might not look great on paper, but as you learned against Pittsburgh, you've got to bring it every single night. Yep, and I think uh, – is it February 19th and they, and they still shouldn't be learning that? No, they shouldn't. But that's where they are, and um, as long as they, they correct it over the last handful of games and they, they get themselves into the tournament, ultimately it's not going to matter. Well, here's um, the thing. A lot of teams in the ACC are honestly in the same spot, Yep. Um, including teams that have beaten you. Wake Forest is still in the same spot. Miami still in the same spot. So Carolina is not the only one trying to figure it out. This is a flawed conference. We've known that all year. So that's what Carolina has to look at and say, look, you know, everybody else is kind of working through this as well. 
Um, so it's, it's not the worst place in the world to be in right now in this conference. Another takeaway from tonight's win was the play of Caleb Love. And Carolina needed a big performance from him to get a win on the road, and they got just that. 21 points, 6 of 12 shooting, 3 of 8 from behind the line, was 6 of 6 from the foul line. The biggest thing about all six of those made free throws, they were in one-in-one situation, so he was able to earn the second of two and convert it on all of them. And seven assists to just two turnovers. I thought, I thought he just controlled the game for Carolina, and they needed him to because that's that's what point guards do at this time of year in these type of environments and these types of settings is is that you got to control the game. And this has been a guy who has had a rough go of it um, as of late. He hasn't played his best basketball, but. Um, when he's playing at a high level, when he's engaged and he's playing with energy and he's playing with attention to detail, Carolina's a much better basketball team. And that's the Caleb Love we saw today where he was the best player on the court. He was taking tough shots and making tough shots. And he was attacking the rim whenever he saw an opportunity to get to the rim and um, was finding his teammates open for open baskets. And I thought he was really good defensively for the most part as well. And then at the end of the game, as he was dribbling out the ball, you could mention him, you could see him talking to the Virginia Tech student section. And that kind of stood out to me because we haven't seen that where he's outwardly emotional on the court like that. And I know a mm-hmm. lot of people will probably say that's disrespectful when they're not here for it. I want more of that. I want more emotion out of him. As long as it's controlled and he doesn't cross the line, but I think that's something this team needs, and that's something they can just yep. feed off of. And that's – say what you want, that's a form of leadership this this program has lacked for three years. They well, need a guy that's going to talk talk some talk when he's playing the way he's played and go into that gym and that environment and play his tail off. Yeah, I mean, you need, you, you need just some emotion, some life on the team because there are times this season, like we've talked about, and I thought again – the other night against Pittsburgh, where it just looks like guys that are going through the motions from pregame all the way until the end of the game, where you just don't see when things are going right, guys being excited, and when things are going wrong, guys being pissed off with the situation that's happening. Yeah. That's what you're wanting. You're I, I, Anybody that says, look, oh, you know, that, that was disrespectful, I'm going to tell you right now, the team on the other side, when they play in the Smith Center and win, they're going to do the exact same thing. The other night, you were getting trash-talked by an assistant coach as he went off the floor, a guy that played in Chapel Hill. So it's going to happen. And, look, I would much rather be on the other end. And, and you're right. I want to see a guy that brings a little bit of emotion. Um, you know, he's not a guy that was – you know, getting up in the face of the student section. It wasn't like he went out of bounds to make a, a point in front of the student section or something like that. Um, he was just excited about the fact that, look, that was a great environment. There's no denying that. Um, you know, that that's – I mean, some people have said this year, including uh, a guy in David Teal who has been a longtime ACC writer, one of the best in the conference for years – um, for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, who said on our radio station that we worked for yesterday 
He told the afternoon host, Kyle Bailey, he thinks that's the best environment in the ACC right now. Um, and this is a guy who's been covering the league for more than 40 years. Um, just said all around when you combine, um, you know, the, 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 the actual environment and what happens normally when the team plays there, uh, as opposed to Cameron Indoor Stadium, it's the toughest place to go on the road and get a win right now. And Carolina handled that, and that's a reason why he should be pumped up. Look, look at his performance. I mean, definitely in the first half, but you know, carried it over into the second half um, for Caleb. And, and and that's something that you know throughout the year we've we've kind of wondered for him is is that you know is he able to sustain some of these performances um, in these halves? Because even in some of his best games, it's usually one half where he really turns it on. We saw it the other day against Pittsburgh. He turned it on in the second half after a pretty quiet and lifeless first half from him. But, you know, I thought it was interesting. Somebody on our post that we had when we post the article on Facebook, um, at Heel Tough Log on Facebook, if you're looking for the Facebook page, they commented on the article on the recap of the Pittsburgh game and said, when it comes to Caleb Love, you wonder if that second half was what maybe turned the season for him because you could see that he just realized he had to take the game over for Carolina to have a chance and put them back into the game. And look, even though he had the important turnover at the end, let's not act like that was the only reason that Carolina lost that game because I feel like there are some people that, that act like that. And look, I've been very critical of Caleb Love and the mm -hmm. effort that he's brought this season. There's no denying that. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that. Um, and, and I'm far from probably his biggest fan at this point. Um, but I'll tell you what, he was one, the only reason that Carolina was really back in that game. I mean, they, the other guys defensively did some good things. Um, you know, to create some turnovers from Pittsburgh. But there was there was nobody else really doing anything offensively in that second half against Pittsburgh besides him. So, yeah, you wonder if that might be the turning point in the season for him um, and if that's what can sort of get him back on track. Because as you mentioned, it's it's been a while since we've seen this type of performance from him. I can't even remember the last time that he scored 20 points in a game. Um, and I know his, you know, overall his scoring numbers still remain one of the best on the team, but it feels like it's been a while since we felt this type of performance from him. He had 10 points in the first half, 11 in the second half. He, you know, was three of eight. All three makes from beyond the arc came in the first half, but he, he played a lot more under control today. And it's, it's, witnessed by the seven assists to just two turnovers. And, you know, he, he, he made some plays when he needed to, even down the stretch. I thought in that second half, you could see that there was a concerted effort to drive the basket even more than there was in the first half, which I thought he did a pretty good job of. And he, he deserves a lot of credit for this performance in this game when Carolina needed a great performance uh, in a game that was uh, as important as any that Carolina has had uh, in the last uh, you know few seasons. One of the things that was a key to Carolina's offense today was they're they're playing the open court, and 
Um, this wasn't the prettiest offensive game by any means, just uh, 65 points for the, the winning team today, which is a relatively low number, especially for Carolina. But they outscored Virginia Tech 13 to nothing in the fast break. And when you go back and you look at the box scores of big wins for Carolina, it's when it's it they pop up when they do stuff in the open court. And um, I thought today those opportunities when they got them, um, when they you know they they had they forced an eye turnovers, they scored 12 points off of those turnovers. So some of those points that that count as fast break points came off of turnovers. Carolina made the most of them. And when you're not getting the offense that you want to get in the half court, you got to find other ways to to generate your offense. And I thought Carolina did a really good job of that today. This hasn't been the the type of fast-breaking team that I, I know I want us to be. And, I, and even Hubert Davis has said throughout times this year, they don't run like he wants them to run. But that's just more the way the roster's built. And right now, you don't have the depth to play at, at that fast of a tempo anyway. But I thought that was a really big key for Carolina's offensively, but also defensively. No, no points given up in the fast break, and Carolina committed 15 turnovers. That's that's mind-boggling for a team that, on the road, when they give up, when they turn the ball over, they're usually handing the opponent two free points. And that didn't happen today. And that gets back to playing with that sense of urgency, desperation, whatever you want to call it, to get back and, and, and play defense and make them earn everything they want to try to get, whether it's off a make, a miss, or off a turnover. So props off to Carolina in that regard. The last thing we got to talk about is the rotation. Um, and, and I, I think I understand where Huber Davis or why Huber Davis did what he did today. Uh-huh. All five starters played at least 32 minutes. R.J. Davis played only 32 because he missed about three minutes of action. He left the court with about 11 and a half minutes to go and returned with about eight minutes to go um, for an und- undisclosed injury uh, that happened during the course of the game. And so with that, Carolina did play Dontress Styles, but just six minutes he made a three-point basket. Kerwin Walton and Puff Johnson just seven. Brady Manick and Armando Baycott, 37 minutes for Manick, 38 for Baycott, Love, 38 minutes, Black, 34 minutes. Carolina's at the point in the year where when you're needing wins to get yourself in a tournament, you got to play your best players. And I get that. In, a, in, a, in more ways than one. But I did think with Carolina having about a 60-hour turnaround or so but, but before they, they played Louisville, you had to find ways to, to get rest. And I didn't think Hubert Davis did that as well as he could have. He did use one timeout during the second half, but I kind of thought once you got to the under 12-minute timeout, you had all three timeouts. I would have used one before the under eight and then get you the under eight and then one before the under four and then get you the under four to get your guys an extra breath or two because Brady Manick was wore out at the under 16-minute timeout of the second half, which shows you how hard he's playing and stuff like that. But he he was he was just white. And, and so I, I understand not playing the reserves in this game. I get it. But when you got a 48-hour turnaround in two days and another big game at home against Louisville, 
I did think he could have managed the situation a lot better, if you will, um, because had had Carolina lost the game, you wouldn't be able to say tired is an excuse, but you would have been able to say that was a team that lost their legs deep in that second half. I mean, it definitely looked like it, as you mentioned. I mean, early on in the half, you could see that Brady Manick was already kind of starting to wear down. Um, and it's just, I mean, the minute loads on, on these guys, especially since Dawson Garcia left, um, has been pretty, pretty hefty. As much as any minute load that we've really ever seen um, for Tar Heel basketball players because we're so used to uh, the rotations being pretty deep. But, I mean, you look at the, the last time that Brady Manick played less than 30 minutes in a game was against NC State back on January 29th. So this is a guy that's been playing a ton for you. Um, I mean, look at the fact that the other night against Pittsburgh, he got into foul trouble early in the first half. He still ended up playing 35 minutes in that game. So Carolina had uh, – we, we've talked about it with the losses of Garcia and Harris. It has really thinned out this rotation, and the starters have had to play just a ton of minutes. Now, I thought, look, the fact that they – especially with Manic, he looked that tired early on in the half, and they still only let it get as close as seven – just shows you that they put in a lot of effort in this game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's, I, I, it's a, it is a concern. But at the same time, it, it's, it's hard to be critical because, especially in a game like this, you know, you wonder, okay, if you take Baycott out for, you know, more time or Manic out for more time, does that change the way the game goes? Because, look, I know that, you know, they, they, they've looked better as of recently. When Styles, Puff Johnson, Kerwin Walton, Justin McCoy, when he's on the court at times, when they're out there, there's a noticeable difference in defensive skill set. Primarily, I think, out with, with McCoy now looking as if he's pretty much out of the rotation again. Um, and that was even before he was unavailable to play the other night. I believe he was available today, but Carolina just didn't use him. Um, you know, it, it's it's pretty clear that there there is a drop off. There, there the the other guys are you know they have trouble staying in front of the ball at times. And and look, it makes sense. Some of those guys are younger, and the, you know the other guys are guys that we just know um, are not known for their defensive prowess. So. Mm-hmm. They need to play most of these guys as many minutes as they can. But it's it's definitely – it's a concern that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when they started going to this extremely thin rotation. And we thought that there might have been a point where they could get to seven or eight again in the rotation. Um, and we've seen flashes from Dontrez Styles, But, I mean, look at, the, look at the second half of this game. You know, when it and and I get it, it came down to, you know, Carolina wanting to keep that lead and, and not let it get to that five point or three point margin that I was talking about earlier. But you had one guy 
play minutes off the bench. And that was Dontre Styles. And it was because of that situation that you mentioned with R.J. Davis. If that doesn't happen, they're more than likely Carolina does not sub in a single player in the second half of the game. And every, every one of the starters plays 20 minutes. Look, I, I, I said it a couple weeks ago. It's sustainable for a conference tournament run for an NCAA tournament strategy. When you start it that early in the season, you are taking a risk because you, it, it, you're trying to do it for so many games consecutively. And it is going to add up no matter how prepared you are, no matter how much you run your guys and practice, no matter how, how well stamina this team is, there is going to be a point where if you play them 35, 38 minutes a night, it's going to start to wear on them because those are those are NBA minutes in an eight-minute shorter game. Yep. So, you know, it's 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 a dangerous game that that you're playing at this time. But I think right now, you know, the focus of Hubert Davis and you know, probably as it should be, is getting into the NCAA tournament. Um, and you'll just kind of deal with the, the consequences then. Um, but I, I think it's definitely something that is noticeable. And, you know, you hope maybe somebody can eventually emerge for Carolina. But, you know, the other thing is you can't really blame him because even in the seven minutes that he was on the floor, Kerwin Walton not able to score, Puff Johnson in seven minutes not able to score, and combined they only took three shots. So, you know, they're not doing it enough to try to get the ball and be and 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 get shots up especially you know today for a guy like Kerwin Walton where he played all his minutes in the first half Carolina was shooting the three ball a ton in the first half and he still only got up two shots so again you want him to you know get be more aggressive when he's on the floor and today he just wasn't showing that so Carolina couldn't really afford to keep him out there so I I the, the thing is, you see why Hubert Davis is doing it, but at the same time, you can see into the future what it probably means, which I think is the part that's a little bit concerning. And it's it's honestly okay to feel like in the moment, I'm okay with them keeping these guys in there, but realizing that yeah, I'm a little worried about what lies ahead in the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament in terms of you know the stamina of this team. Yeah, no, you're definitely right, and I think it's something that um, it'll be addressed in the offseason, whether it's in the transfer portal, in recruiting, mm-hmm. finding quality depth, because there aren't many teams that compete and win national championships playing seven or eight guys a night, so... Well, and look, they had they they had those two guys. Both they they got hit the two guys that had to leave the team, which is out of Hubert Davis's control. Yep. Were were your most significant contributors off the bench. And you know, since then you just haven't been able to find that consistent bench presence. Like there's this is the thing. There is nobody on that bench right now that is just burning it up to the point where you're like, why is he like, he's clearly just taking minutes away from these, these guys aren't coming out and lighting it up. Hey, we're on the floor for five minutes and he's scoring eight points. 
It, so it, it, it makes sense at times why he's got to go with the thinner rotation. It's just the, you know, situation that's out of his control. And like you said, the transfer portal recruiting, you know, the guys that are that are coming in in this next class will definitely help Carolina in that area moving forward. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners podcast. But I do want to remind you guys, go to the website, HealToughBlog.com. Check out our latest football and basketball content. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Simply just search the Four Corners pod. Rate rate the pod, review the pod, but most importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you get every great podcast right there in your podcast library. I do, uh, do want to thank Anthony for staying up late with me tonight to talk about Carolina's win over, over Virginia Tech. We want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com, to find the best basketball podcast.